I'm John Golia. And I'm Greg Fife. And we are the Flight Safety Detectives. We're just two guys who have spent most of their career with the National Transportation Safety Board investigating aircraft disasters and aviation safety issues all over the world. Yep, and this podcast is where we talk about everything from accidents, airplane technology, to the big business of aviation. We live and breathe aviation. My co-host John has been in the aviation business for more than 60 years. He was the first and only airframe and power plant mechanic to get a presidential appointment to the National Transportation Safety Board. And Greg is a former air safety investigator and GO team captain for the NTSB. He's investigated everything that flies worldwide since he started his career 40 years ago. And on top of that, he is a living legend of aviation inductee. So between John and myself, we have over 100 years of aviation safety experience. It's time to buckle up because it's going to be wheels up. Let's get this show in the air. Why would Greg Fife and I decide to do a podcast talking about the subjects that the two of us have talked about extensively on worldwide television? One of the big issues, John, that we always talk about is the fact that we don't get enough time to try and explain these complex issues. You can't do it in a 10-second soundbite. You can't do it in a two-minute soundbite. The problem is, is that when you start to get into the story, all of a sudden, the clip is done. And now the public is left wondering, what did that mean? Or they're left with speculation on the part of TV hosts that may add their own interpretation to the facts and not really disclose to the public that it is an interpretation and it is not based on fact. And one of the things that we intend to do with this podcast is keep it very focused on facts or we're going to tell you that it is a speculative statement from either one of us or both of us. And when we speculate, it's not just callously or carelessly, but it is based on true factual information that between us we know. And so when we talk about a fact being a fact, if we say, well, the investigation is going to go this direction or possibly will focus on this particular issue, it's because we have an understanding of what those facts mean to us as investigators and what it means to the organization or the government that's doing the investigation. People don't realize just how much that news is filtered by the, by the uh, stations at the end. Time is limited on every TV show, so they need to squeeze it in. It's not that these reporters are bad people, but they just have a window of time which they have to put it in. And this podcast gives us a much larger window. We can explain in detail the reasons why, what the facts mean, and if we're making deductions, we can also explain how we get to make those deductions. As Greg said, we've got over 100 years collectively in aviation. Uh, we've been there. We've done that. We've seen it all. And we want to share that with people. You know, aviation is a great industry. And I've long said that uh, we have problems. But if we get those problems on the table, up where everybody can see them, they will get addressed and they will get mitigated or repaired so that we don't have them again. We have proven that over the years with material failures on airplanes. Back in the 50s and 60s, there was a lot of airplane crashes that were a result of manufacturing problems. Well, I'll tell you what, today the, the, the structure of the airplane is as sounded as ever been. We don't see accidents caused by wing cracks and wing failures and, and so on and so on. Those are history. Uh, new problems have come up, 
And uh, we'll talk about those too. The big thing here is that the things that we're going to talk about aren't the sexy things that mainstream media talks about. We try to take those facts, the things that are in the background, the things that actually form the basis for those sexy outcomes that the news media wants to publish, such as pointing the finger at a manufacturer like Boeing or looking to an airline and blaming them for this, that, and the other. We're going to talk about how you can arrive at a a reasonable and factual conclusion. Trying to explain that in a 10-second soundbite isn't the sexy part. The sexy part is the investigation has found Well, based on what? That's the biggest problem. You and I have spent time up on the Hill trying to educate congressmen and their staffers to what the basis or the background is for these conclusions that we've been able to draw thus far in both the Indonesian accident and, of course, the Ethiopian accident. But it seems to be falling on deaf ears. And I'm glad that you and I are doing this podcast together so that we can at least enlighten the folks, especially the folks in the aviation industry who have a reliance on us because of what we've done over the past hundred years, if you will, in trying to portray factual information with reasonable and logical conclusions rather than speculating like an MH370 that a Boeing 777 can climb to 50,000 feet because the pilot wanted to have the passengers pass out so he had to depressurize the airplane. I can get passengers to pass out at 18,000 feet. Second, a Boeing 777 won't go to 50,000 feet, not with a lot of gas on it. The fact is, is that there was just a lot of misinformation. People, quote, experts on TV built storylines around these factoids because sexy sells. And we're not here to sell sexy. We're here to sell the facts, right? It's just the facts, like the old uh, TV show, just the facts, ma'am. And we will talk about factual information, what we know, what we don't know. It'll be uh, information that's released from the investigations or information that we've been able to uncover as part of the investigations. But we will clearly identify the sources so that you know that it's where the source of the information comes from. And we have a wealth of of, uh, issues out there today to look at. And Greg, I'm glad you mentioned Congress because probably one of the most frustrating events in my life in the last six months has been the time that we spent on the Hill trying to educate staff members for uh, congressional staff members and to find out that everything we said, all the examples that we gave them was totally disregarded when we saw what was on television. We saw the personal agendas come out. You could tell it in the questions. A lot of them were scripted for the respective congressmen or whatever. And they were, I mean, it, it really didn't get to the heart of the matter. When you look at accident investigation, especially with Indonesia and Ethiopia, you have to separate out what the causes and the contributing factors are of each of those accidents. You cannot muddy the water with aircraft certification if you don't understand what were the true causes and contributing factors to each of those accidents. We are finding out, as you've been dissecting, the Indonesia accident. It started with maintenance issues. And that whole sequence of events or chain of events as we look at it as an investigator started on the hangar floor, basically, with that AOA vein that was improperly uh, serviced. When you look at Ethiopia, they were trained. That crew was supposedly trained to the new procedures that came out after Indonesia. Yet these pilots failed to recognize a cue that pilots are trained for unreliable airspeed, and they failed to follow the proper procedures. Yet they were, quote, 
highly trained to the new procedures. That's the kind of misinformation that is misleading to the public, and it's a disservice not only to the flying public, but to the folks in the industry that work very hard to make sure that aviation is safe. And as a maintainer, I can tell you that that Indonesian accident for me was very, very painful. When I saw the write-ups that the pilots had in the logbook and the action taken by the maintenance people, I was yelling at the paper that I was reading it on. I just I couldn't believe that they released that airplane. I don't think there's a mechanic in this country that works for an airline that would have released those airplanes uh, to service. And if the company was releasing it, they would have been raising holy hell, making sure that somebody knew that that airplane should not be flying. But you know what? We can't judge the rest of the world through the eyes of the U.S. It is a very different place. We have different procedures, different standards, different education requirements for both pilots and uh, the mechanics. And even though ICAO has a set of minimum standards, it's very difficult to tell uh, if the individuals are meeting those standards. You know, they're under pressure in all these countries like we are to keep the airplanes flying and get more pilots and more maintenance people into the into the system. But that has a negative effect as well. And you bring up a a good point because the rest of the world doesn't operate like we do here in the United States. We can't use ourselves as the baseline. And while the, you know, the Egyptians or the Europeans or the Australians and their pilots and their mechanics may have a different standard, we all try to use a common standard that is projected or proposed or uh, provided by ICAO. The big problem here, and I've been preaching it since about 1993, is the fact fact that how much of societal culture impacts the way pilots and mechanics not only learn, but operate. We've known over the years that outside the United States, where we have broken the barriers down here what with CRM, where you have a, a younger first officer and a senior captain, the dialogue now through crew resource management is that we will make joint decisions. We will have input to each other so that we are in, in, in basically agreeance before an action is taken. Still, outside the United States, especially in places like Malaysia or in Asia itself, the fact is, is that that Asian culture still is very pervasive in the cockpit, and I'm sure it's still very pervasive in the maintenance hangar, where four stripes wins. That is, even if the first officer has information that could be critical to flight safety, The captain's not going to listen because it's a junior first officer. A perfect example of that was the Korean air accident that I was responsible as the investigator in charge for investigating in Guam. The captain was very senior. He was, um, you know, bent on landing this airplane, thinking that he was going to follow an ILS signal or an instrument landing approach into Guam. The first officer and the flight engineer tried to basically talk him out of it, that they kept telling him that it was out of service. He thought, and his, unfortunately, his opinion won, that that was, that ILS system was still operational when it actually wasn't. The airplane struck a mountain off the end of the runway six miles and killed everybody on board. The sad part of that is this was an avoidable accident, and it was all because a lot of it was attributed to societal culture. The fact that the uh, responsibility of the first officer to question the captain about issues with regard to altitudes and what he was doing went unheeded by the captain. You know, and we know, uh, based on past history, that we have a growing number of accidents that are caused by people, whether it's the pilot, the mechanic, anybody in the system. 
I, I like I said a little bit ago, uh, the material failures on airplanes just don't occur anymore. Right? It's a combination of of uh, workload and misinformation and misconstrued information on the part of flight crews or maintenance personnel. So, you know, even though the statistics say about eighty percent of uh, accidents are caused by uh, human beings, I think in the recent past that number is probably closer to 100%. And you bring up a, a very good point. I've always believed that as long as a human has a fingerprint on that aircraft, that any time that aircraft has a problem, serious accidents or, or serious incidents, the fact is a human had some sort of responsibility, whether they fly it, fix it, manage it, design it, or operate it, the fact is, is that a human has been involved in every step of the process. So while statistics may bear out that 80% of the accidents are pilot error or 90% or 70% or maintenance errors by a human, every time a human touches that airplane from the time they push the first key on their computer to design the airplane, a human is involved. And we have to fix that human interaction. That's the hardest part of our business. Right. And that's what this data that sometimes comes up in uh, accident investigations that isn't part of the probable cause. You know, all my years at the NTSB and even the accidents I did before the NTSB, every single event we found a, a number of issues that were needed to be corrected, but were not part of the probable cause because they didn't contribute to the accident. But they were latent failures just sitting there waiting to cause a problem later on. And by identifying those fringe issues, my words, uh, around an accident, we can use that information to make it better. And that's one of the things that we hope to do in this podcast is bring the light of day to those issues that don't make the probable cause. They're not the big hitters, if you will, in the business, but yet we can get them out there and maybe we can get some of those fixed before they cause those problems. And we don't expect everybody to agree with everything you and I say. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the business. You're going to have people out there. They're going to think that, you know, they're more knowledgeable about specific issues and things like that. I've always live by the motto that everybody's entitled to their opinion, but not everybody's entitled to their own facts. They cannot create facts and then build a storyline. We all have to work from the same facts. We will interpret them probably differently, but based on what you and I have been through for the past hundred years in aviation safety with our experience, we have a pretty good idea of how a government organization or how an investigative mind will develop an analysis of those facts in context. That's the other problem with mainstream media. They take these factoids, build a story around them, but they aren't kept in context. And through this podcast, we can keep that context. I've been using Facebook to try and present that context. And now we have a voice through the podcast that I think will help the industry and the general public understand that context. And the benefit of the f podcast is that it can be pulled up at any time. So unlike Facebook, where you lose it after half a day, it's gone someplace and it's almost impossible to find, a podcast is uh, readily available. So that's one of the advantages which we have putting the information on a podcast. And I think that because we're going to be soliciting questions from the listeners through our email, I think that that will bring some 
attention to subject areas that are of interest to you know people or organizations that we can at least provide some more color commentary based on the facts as we know them so that they understand what it is that we're talking about uh, when you when you read all of the the social media and you look at the questions and you look at the respondents and and then you start looking at the background of those respondents they have very focused or targeted opinions because what they know is I'm a I'm an airline pilot this is the way you fly the airplane. Yeah, but you got to look at it from a maintenance perspective. You got to look at it from a management perspective. You got to look at it from a manufacturing perspective. You can't just isolate the operation of a 737 MAX because the systems that are on that airplane were designed by an engineer. They were built by a manufacturing company. There was an interface with pilots in the design of those systems. The question is, was it sufficient? Was there a breakdown? Is there an ergonomic issue? What are those things? And it goes well beyond the scope of just saying those were bad pilots or that was a bad system. And, you know, so far we've talked about some major crashes like Indonesia and Malaysia. But don't be misled. This podcast is going to cover the whole spectrum of aviation from general aviation, from Cessnas, you know, training accidents through the business aviation community, right up through the charter operation and air carriers. So we intend to dissect incidents, accidents, issues across the entire spectrum of aviation. It's all about lessons learned. Um, that's, a, that's a phrase that we've used in aviation for quite a long time. It has made its prominence over about the last 30 years, where every time we go out and investigate any kind of event, we are looking for the lessons learned. How are we going to improve aviation and aviation safety based on the results of an accident or incident? We don't want the folks that have perished in those accidents to have died in vain. We have got to get good, useful information out of those accidents so that we can make improvements. You look at back, you look back at ValueJet. You look back at a number of accidents over uh, the past 100 years, if you will, even starting back at the Wright brothers. We have learned lessons from all of these accidents. That's why the federal aviation regulations are so voluminous, because every one of those regulations is based on something that was found in an accident or incident to improve aviation safety. And we're also going to explore the chain of events. You know, as uh, I was just sitting here thinking about ValueJet, and it was a loading issue. But then there's also the Air Midwest accident in Charlotte, which was a loading incident, where they got away with loading an airplane improperly for uh, years and years. And then all of a sudden, because of a maintenance event and a problem within the hangar, the airplane could not handle that type of load on that particular airplane on that particular day, and it resulted in a number of fatalities. So. And that's what's going to make this podcast so great is because we are going to look, and based on the accidents that you and I have been involved with, we're going to be able to bring reality to this discussion. We encourage you listening to this podcast to send us your questions. Flightsafetydetectives at gmail.com will get us your questions. And in every episode, we will try to address those questions as best we can. With all of this information, we think that it will be encouraging for you to continue to listen. And as our podcast uh, audience grows, we know that the questions will grow and, of course, the topics will grow. Just to be clear... We're not just going to deal with the manufacturing issues. We're not going to just deal with the maintenance issues or the ops issues. 
Uh, we're going to deal with issues across the spectrum, including some that you that you almost never hear of. You know, there's a about a six billion dollar a year check that's written because of aircraft that are damaged in the hangar or on the ramps, commonly called hangar rash. Right? It's a very expensive process. Nobody's talking about the good. They talk about the bad. We're going to talk about the whole spectrum, what's coming down the pike, what can make improvements, not only in ground handling, but also in flight. We're going to talk about ADSB. We're going to explain ADSB to everybody in a way that which uh, the average person can understand the benefits of it and what it really means to, to aviation as a whole. And with that, I'm John Golia. And I'm Greg Fife. Have a safe flight. The Flight Safety Detectives podcast has been created in coordination with the Professional Aviation Maintenance Association. Find the show at the association's website, pama.org, and support the show through trade association membership. Join at pama.org. That's P-A-M-A dot org. Catch us next time when John Golia and Greg Fife talk about all things aviation. Thanks for listening.